Our first reading is from Psalm 9, verses 1 to 9. I will give thanks to you, Lord, with all my heart. I will tell of all your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing the praises of your name, O Most High. My enemies turn back. They stumble and perish before you. For you have upheld my right and my cause, sitting enthroned as the righteous judge. You have rebuked the nations and destroyed the wicked. You have blotted out their name forever and ever. Endless ruin has overtaken my enemies. You have uprooted their cities. Even the memory of them has perished. The Lord reigns forever. He has established his throne for judgment. He rules the world in righteousness and judges the peoples with equity. The Lord is a refuge for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. And our second reading is from Philippians, verses 12 to 26. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage, so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labour for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, but it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain, and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in faith so that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. Thanks for reading for us, Heather. Thanks for leading us in prayer. Nicola, good morning, everyone. Here we are, the faithful remnant. Quite a lot of us are on holiday. Some of us even made it up this morning. Do you know there was a delightful um, cohort, small but faithful crew who were out there praying for our church family at six o'clock this morning, when re reality it was five o'clock this morning. They're the hardcore folks amongst us. Hey, uh, it really is um, good to start a new series. It's called All to Jesus. 
and um, I'm going to share a little story with you uh, about a fellow called Admiral Jim Stockdale. He was um, the highest ranking amongst uh, United States military uh, officers who ended up at the Hanoi Hilton, uh, basically a, a prisoner of war camp over in Vietnam during the war. And uh, he lived out the war without prisoner's rights. He had no set release date. He didn't know whether or when he would see his wife and kids again. And he endured that uncertainty for eight long years. Uh, the end of the story was that he did get out and he was reunited with his family. Um, and in the book by Jim Collins called Good to Great, uh, we hear the story of Admiral Stockdale. Um, Jim uh, interviews him, and in that interview, Stockdale says, I quote, I never lost faith in the end of the story. I never doubted that not only would I get out, but also that I would prevail in the end and turn the experience into the defining event of my life, which in retrospect, <coughs> excuse me, which in retrospect, I would not trade. Collins asked him, so you made it out, who didn't? To which Stockdale said, that's easy, the optimists. The optimists didn't make it out. So Collins pressed him a bit more and Stockdale said this. Well, they were the ones who said, oh, we're gonna be out by Christmas. But Christmas came and Christmas would go. And then they said, oh, we're gonna be out by Easter and Easter would come and Easter would go and then Thanksgiving and then it would be Christmas again and they died of a broken heart. This is a very important lesson, he says. You must never confuse faith that you will prevail in the end, which you can never afford to lose, with the discipline to confront the most brutal facts of your current reality, whatever they might be. In other words, he's saying not just wishful thinking, but hope in the context of addressing the reality within which you're living. And then he went on to say to them, we're not getting out by Christmas, so deal with it. Now, in this book that Jim Collins wrote, Good to Great, he calls this the Stockdale Paradox. He says that productive change takes place only when an individual or an organization confronts the brutal facts. So you can keep a posture of faith in a good outcome and have an unwavering posture, but you can only do that if you face the facts and face them with discipline. And so as we come to this commitment series for the month of October, I'm hoping that now that my family's been part of this Fig Tree family for about 18 months, we've built enough relational capital amongst us to be able to confront some pretty brutal facts together. Some of these facts will encourage us, but some of these facts will challenge us as a church family. And if faith is in the end game, how much more for God's people, knowing that we have a God who is in control, a sovereign God, and knowing that we have a God who has so loved us in this, that he gave his only son, that whomever would believe in him would not perish, but have life and life eternal. And for us, as God's people, we know the love of God in sending his son that we might live. So I'm hoping that um, as we take on the Stockdale Paradox, 
Have you lost that screen too? Uh-huh. Are we flying without... Oh, no, we're good. Thank you. That's great. Um, we're looking at this series, and the summary for the series is essentially we're going to look at excellence, everyone, everything, engagement, and eternity. Such is the bane of the preacher. It's all got to be the same letter to kick us off, but we do want this to be memorable, right? And the big idea for today is this, order Jesus for excellence. Order Jesus for excellence. I'm going to lead us in prayer. Would you join me? Our gracious God and Heavenly Father, we pray that you'd please help us to pursue excellence with all that you... (coughs) Excuse me. (coughs) With all that you have entrusted to us as your children. We long to excel as your people assured that to live is Christ and to die is gain. So with all we are and with all we have, may we exalt our Saviour and Messiah, Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, there's a, there's a good verse for us to be thinking about. Paul says, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. And that's going to move us into the first of my three points, which is driven to despair, driven to despair. Um, If you were here a couple of weeks ago, as we were thinking about what it means to flourish as a fig tree family, I encouraged all of us to be like branches of the tree and to imagine what our aspiration is, what our sense of God-given purpose is. And I wonder to what level you might aspire in those thoughts. To what level ought we to aspire to the things of life's experience for, say, health? or wealth, or in our study, or in our work, to what level ought we to aspire? I wonder whether you've ever aspired to attain a certificate of participation. Has that been your aspiration? Or maybe a celebration of mediocrity. Thank you so much, Joe, that's a great help. A celebration of mediocrity, is that your aspiration? How about satisfactory underperformance? Or a position that is suboptimal? Or have you ever aspired to be marked slightly above average? Or slightly below average? Or maybe just average? You see, as followers of Jesus, ought that to be our aspiration? Or should we aspire to excellence? Now, excellence in a competitive environment is to win, which means somebody else is losing. Excellence in a collaborative environment can be win-win. And I wonder whether sometimes seeking excellence can actually be a fruitless task. We strive to be better and better and better until we become so driven that we're driven to despair because we never get there in our inability to measure up. For some of us, we've just tapped out because being excellent is too hard. For others amongst us, I'm sure there's been seasons in which we've simply tapped out because we're lazy. I mean, haven't you had those days where you just go, oh, forget it. And then we end up in a different kind of despair because we feel useless. 
And the strange thing is, I think, actually, that those are both two sides of the same coin. Inasmuch as we incline either to hubris or humiliation, to pride or poverty, and there is a tension in life, but I hope we're going to see how this tension can be resolved, but not yet. Because I think as a church here at Fig Tree, we are facing our own Stockdale paradox. I am optimistic for the end, but I do want us to face the brutal facts. Because we've been doing that as a diocese recently, we came off the back of Synod and we looked at how we're going. There was a, a mission in place for 2020, a diocesan mission to which we committed ourselves to four significant priorities. And then 2020 arrived and, well, God had the last word on that one, didn't he? Think about the number of individuals and organizations that had a 2020 vision. Did COVID feature in any of those? But we, as we look ahead to 2024 and beyond, we do need to commit ourselves to the brutal facts as we think about whether we might aspire to excellence. Because in order to develop excellence, we need to first know that we're doing the right thing. That is, that we're being effective. And secondly, we need to do the right thing rightly. That is, to be efficient. And for those outcomes, what do we need? And all the engineers say data. We've got to have the data. And you know what it's like, um, you, all of you I'm sure have been on a plane or at least know somebody who's been on a plane. When you, when you look at the pilot, um, they, they have a cockpit full of instruments, don't they? So that even if they're flying in fog, they know that they can trust the data from the instruments so they don't hit the mountain. And I'm going to ask us to trust the instruments, especially when you discover that your altitude is dropping because we don't want to hit the mountain, brothers and sisters. Whether or not the fog clears, we want to increase altitude so as not to crash into the mountain. And we've got some very good data, and that data has come from the NCLS, the National Church Life Survey. And we've had surveys here at Fig Tree ever since 1996. So that's nearly 30 years' worth of data. That's, more, that's longer than some of us have been alive, right? And so... We've got some reliable data with which to work, and today I'm going to give us a very brief data delivery that we're going to unpack over the weeks ahead. And I want us, even though the questions have changed a little bit on the way, to look at some of the trends and the differences that we encounter. So here we go, here's the data delivery. Uh, by the way, if you want a bit of an overview of what happened at Synod and the Sydney Dawson picture, if you go to The Pastor's Heart, which is run by Dominic Steele over at the Annandale Parish, uh, he's done a very helpful interview with um, a couple of guys who have, well, shared some of the brutal facts about how we're going as a diocese. But I'm going to share some data from the last 20 years or so from the NCLS that we've conducted here. Does anybody remember filling in those forms? Yeah, we did one, we did one in 2021, actually, post-COVID, and uh, we've got that data as well to work with. So here we go. Priority number one. Priority number one for our diocese and for our church has been to reach all the lost in our diocese with the life-giving gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a good priority, isn't it? To reach people with the life-giving gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the first goal that we had was to increase members reporting their willingness to talk intentionally about their faith. All right, so here's our first graph. Just so you know, 
in order to make the graph work, I had to put 100% in somewhere. So I've actually put that in as our aspiration for the future. So you'll see a real uptick at the end. That's not where we're at. That's just our aspiration for the future. Okay, how are we going? How are we going on our willingness to talk intentionally about our faith? Oh. Are we losing altitude? Yeah, we're losing altitude. You can play the game with me, right? We can, we can do this together if you like. Uh, okay, well, we're losing altitude on that one. But how about increasing members reporting that they've invited someone to church in the last 12 months? Oh dear. That's over the last 20 years, from 2001 to 2021. We're, we're losing altitude on that one as well for priority one. How about increasing newcomers? That's not including switchers who've come from other denominations or transfers who've come from other churches. How about newcomers that have been coming to church um, in the last five years? That's the question we had each year. Okay, we're losing altitude on that one as well. I told you these are the brutal facts, okay? Um, so that's priority one. That's a challenge, isn't it? Can I give you the encouraging news, news on all those domains? We're, we're actually doing a bit better than the diocese as a whole. So we could give thanks to God for that locally, that as a church, we're performing well, but then again, that's maybe not so encouraging. All right, gird your loins, we're going deeper. Priority number two, deepening spiritual maturity among our members. What were our goals for deepening spiritual maturity among our members? Number one, increase in our members reporting much growth. Oh, I'm sorry, that was another slide. Actually, I need to show you that one as well. Uh, sorry, this was one that wasn't from the NCLS data, but this is from our own attendance figures um, for adult weekly average service attendance for the last 20 years. Okay, you're going to need to gird your loins for this one. This is the change in our weekly adult service attendance here at Fig Tree over the last 20 years. Here it is, you've got a grip on that already. That's, that's how we're going, folks. So we're, we're on that losing altitude, aren't we? Okay. Just so that we, we know where we're at. Coming on to the second priority, uh, increasing our members reporting much growth in faith. That's where we've been going. So we're losing altitude in that space as well. Uh, there's another goal for priority number two, which is increasing members spending time in the Bible and prayer and meditation all or most days. And we've been pretty steady and with a bit of an uptick over the course of the last five years. So thanks be to God. Uh, priority number three was equipping our members to exercise their gifts. Equipping our members to exercise their gifts. And the goal was to increase our members reporting their use of gifts to a great extent. Okay, we're, we're losing altitude over the last 20 years on that one too. And finally, priority four. Responding to the changing face of our society. Responding to the changing face of our society. Well, increasing our members born in non-English speaking countries. That's one of the goals. Well, it's never gonna be 100%, right? 
but we actually we were we were on a trajectory upwards and then in 2016 we've dropped back down again but do remember that as a church family we developed the international church which we then by God's grace sent with joy to be over at Kiraville so there's now that wonderful Kiraville International Church meeting in the afternoons and by God's grace that's flourishing and growing so actually in that dynamic we've been ascending church and that's something to celebrate and be thankful for and then also the, um, the final goal is to increase the retention of our members' children in church. And that one we've borne, well, thanks be to God, that's a very high number, and it has been on a steady upward altitude lift. So there's real cause for thanksgiving for the next generation. Now in the weeks ahead, I do plan to press into these brutal facts with prayerful discipline with you, uh, we're going to look at priorities one and two in the talk entitled Everyone next week, and then we'll look at priority number two in the talk entitled Eternity in the final week. We're going to look at priority two, uh, three, I'm sorry, in engagement, use of gifts, which will be the penultimate one. And I have to say that all these graphs are challenging, um, but on the other hand, um, they're encouraging for a couple of reasons. Firstly, as I said, compared to the Sydney average, we're doing quite well. Um, but secondly, these brutal facts are really helpful for us as we prepare to commit ourselves into 2024 and the years ahead. Because we are not driven to despair. We can aspire to excellence. And the reason we can do this in the context of tension is because we have been saved by the Lord Jesus. And we have the Spirit of the Lord Jesus living in us. And he is not a spirit of timidity and fear, but he is a spirit of love and power and discipline. And thank God that we're saved from this tension by the Lord Jesus, because he's the one who says, I am perfect. So you never need be driven to despair. You'd, you'd commit yourself, and I will equip and enable and help you to grow in excellence for, for me. So trust me, trust me that you might live according to God's plan and purpose, trust me and my spirit in you to enable you to live a life of excellence. To what end? To exalt me, says Jesus, that I might be exalted. Faith in Jesus God's Son for our salvation and faith in Jesus God's Son for excellence so that he might be exalted. Now, the lovely thing about Jesus, and this is my second point, is he's not excellent, he is perfect. He is supreme. We've just sung about his supremacy, that he is worthy of all exaltation. I want to ask you firstly, do you believe that? Do you believe that Jesus is worthy of all the glory, honor, and praise? Because I tell you, and I'd love you to open your Bibles with me now, uh, to that reading that we have, the second reading from Philippians chapter 1. Verse 12, the Apostle Paul who wrote this letter did believe it. He believed that Jesus was worthy of exaltation. He, he was a religious expert, Paul, but he's not being a religious expert here. He's being a man who is in relationship with God in the person of Jesus. And he's a man who's committed himself to an all-consuming relationship with a real person, Jesus and I want to ask us, are we committed to an all-consuming relationship with Jesus? All to Jesus. Is that where you're at? In this passage, the Apostle Paul, sent by Jesus Christ, he's in prison. 
and he's likely to die soon. He's expecting to be executed. And his sole concern here is for the advancement of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus. And he's been committed to his life's mission, which is to be a Jew, sharing Jesus as Messiah with Gentiles, and he's not troubled by his circumstances. He's not even troubled by his imminent death. Have a look with me at verse 12. Look what it says. We read that Paul is unashamed for his circumstances because the gospel is advancing. Have a look with me at verse 13, where we read that he's unashamed of his chains. Why? Because he's in prison for the Lord Jesus. Then we read in verse 14 that he's speaking about the Lord Jesus with boldness and confidence. And then he goes so far into verse 18 to say he rejoices in the gospel of Jesus Christ wherever it's preached, even if it's preached by people who are not well-intentioned. The gospel is being preached. That's what he's concerned about. By verse 19, he says that he has faith in God's end game because the Spirit is the one who confirms his salvation. And in verse 20, we read that he is committed to the exaltation of Jesus, whatever. A little later on, he goes to say to his readers and to us, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. He says in verse 21, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And in verses 22 to 23, we see that his life in service is all to Jesus as he longs to be with the Lord Jesus Christ. He goes on in the final verses, 25 to 26. Actually, I'll put those on screen for us so we can see together. Remembering that Jesus sacrificed his life so Paul and you and I could have our sins forgiven by God and Jesus raised to eternal life and it was the raised Jesus who met with Paul and turned his life around, turned our lives around as well. Paul can now say that he longs to be with Jesus in heaven. He says, I want to go and be with Jesus. <laughs> but then he says, but it's more necessary for you that I remain in the body. And convinced of this, I know I will remain and will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. So through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. You know, if you go looking in the Bible trying to find the word excellence or excellent, you're going to struggle because most of our translations don't use that word. But what we do find is this word that aligns with the English excellence of abounding. Abounding in righteousness that is greater than the Pharisees, says Jesus in Matthew 5. Abounding in the gospel, he says in Matthew 13. Abounding talents for those who invest wisely, he says in Matthew 25. There are abounding converts in Acts 16. There's an abounding truth in Romans 3. There's abounding hope in Romans 15. And there's abounding in gifts that build up the church, 1 Corinthians 14. And then here, an abounding boasting in Paul for the exaltation of the Lord Jesus Christ in these very words. You see, the thing about our excellence is it is for the exaltation of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, back many years ago, I met with Mer uh, Jerry Bridges. Has anybody heard of Jerry Bridges? Yeah, a few hands. 
Uh, Jerry Bridges is an author, he's Christian, theologian. Um, back in the day, he used to write all the books like Trusting God and Transforming Grace. He's a very gentle, humble man. And, um, I, I was in a life group study with him, um, just little old me in my early days as a Christian, and he said something that I was so impacted by that I wrote them down, his words. And I'm sorry I didn't write them on screen for you, so you have to listen carefully. Do you know what he said? He said this. He said, our sole concern is the glorification of Jesus Christ, or if you like, the exaltation of Jesus Christ. Our sole concern is the exaltation of Jesus Christ and the advance of the gospel. He said, if we really believe that God cares for us, then we are free to be solely concerned with the advance of the gospel. Let me say that again. He said, if we really believe that God cares for us, then we are free to be solely concerned with the advance of the gospel. And then he said this, which stuck with me. If facing death, that would be our sole concern. If facing death, that would be our sole concern, our sole focus, our sole focus, then why not right now? If facing death, our sole concern will be the advancement of the gospel as we go to be with Jesus, then why not now? I mean, that's a, that's a thought, isn't it? Is our sole concern the exaltation of the Lord Jesus and his gospel? And I guess the challenge I've had this week is to go, is it really in what I pray and say and think and do? Because this is the sole motivation that Paul has and, and, and it ought to be the sole motivation to which we aspire for excellence. Now we've got many prayers that we want to pray together in the years ahead and we've got many strategic visions of which we need to be assured and we've got many tactical plans that we need to draw up and we've got many operational levers that we're going to need to pull in a bunch of ministry areas together. But above all is our excellence for the exaltation of the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank God for how we're going so far. I've been amazed uh, how the Lord's been at work amongst us as a church at Fig Tree. I'm so excited about the, the new way that we're doing things for 2023 to 25, where we put together a bunch of ministry area teams who now connect the two hemispheres, if you like, of our Fig Tree brain. We've got the ministry team, we've got the parish council, and we've got a member of each now in each of these teams working together. And as many of you know, they're building teams around them. Some of you have been invited to consider prayerfully. Some of you have expressed an interest, and that's wonderful. And these teams are about engaging more and more of us for serving Jesus that all may know him. So a little example, we've got the evangelism team uh, looking into outreach, uh, exploring possibilities for Mount Kembla for the future. And this very day, today, we have a brand new fellowship beginning. Did you know that? Did you read your update? How cool is that? A little fledgling Mandarin-speaking fellowship is starting at one o'clock here in the building, born out of a life group that just got too big. And so Mandarin-speaking, beautiful brothers and sisters and people who are interested in knowing more about Jesus are coming and hearing the Bible read and taught and shared in their heart language of Mandarin. The kids all speak English, so we'll be doing a different program for them. But they're going to gather together and enjoy it. This is a beautiful, auspicious day because it is a celebration as a national day in China. 
And so we're hoping that as a result of uh, Annie Chow and her efforts with her team, Meg and others, we'll continue to see more and more Mandarin speakers learn about the love of the Lord Jesus. And so please pray for that. That's happening one o'clock today. Food is how we start, and then fellowship around the world, word of God is how we continue. For our mission ministry area team, well, they've delivered World Missions Conference for us. And thank you, and wasn't that wonderful? And in fact, the money that we've raised towards those mission partners, which uh, just this week has gone over $100,000, thank you for continuing to give, is gonna be distributed this afternoon by the team, uh, and we continue to delight in the ministry mission overseas partnerships that we have. And I know that a number of our younger ones, and some of our older ones as well, have gone over on these trips and be utterly changed. But we've got some youngsters who are considering serving the Lord full-time as a result of those short-term mission trips. We've got our maturity ministry area team focusing on our life groups, the pastoral engine rooms of our fellowship. We're so thankful to God for Faye Brampton and her team who've been involved in pastoral care for many, many years. But next year, we're looking to level up our care program to develop a whole new way of caring for one another, especially for those who are not yet in life groups. And then there's biblical education, the prayer meeting that you heard about. There's more prayer meetings going on in a variety of spaces. And for our creative arts and music team, we just sang The Wonder of Christ. That's a home-written, homegrown song. And then we're seeing more and more of our young songwriters come together and we're recording songs. And our hope is that Fig Tree Worship as a ministry will continue to flourish under God's hand. And that's in addition to some of the possibilities for the arts and for dance, and I hope one day even martial arts. There's so many things going on, it's super exciting. And our generations, our ministry area team there is just getting into its stride as we explore a pathway from cradle to grave to see God's people matured in their relationship with Jesus and continue to make disciples and disciple-making disciples across the generations for our children and our youth and our young adults and our families and our seniors and everyone in between. And then we've got the risk and safe ministry, ministry area team. And I thank God for them, because they're experts in that space, and they have an eye for detail, which I do not, and I rejoice that God has given us differentiated gifts within the body, and they're very keenly looking after the vulnerable amongst us, and ensuring that we maintain safe ministry standards, and that we're caring for one another in a way that honors the Lord Jesus and keeps us accountable for our compliance requirements. And then we've got the vision team meeting at the end of October, really to push boundaries into areas that we've never thought about as a church before, because we live in an increasingly extraordinary, culturally challenged world. So what does it mean for freedom of speech? And what does it mean for artificial intelligence? And what does it mean for reaching a community that is post-COVID and changed? These folks will be thinking and praying into that to keep advancing the gospel. And can I encourage you, you would have got one of these on the way in. And if you didn't get one, grab one on the way out because this is our commitment letter for the month from your ministry team and parish council as we hope to encourage us together what it means to be committed with all to Jesus. Why do we pursue excellence? Sorry, this is just a little map of all the ministry teams that are, are going on. And if you want to know more about any of those, please do come and talk to me or Joe or another person on the ministry team or parish council. Um, there are many parish council members around. They'll be able to point you in the right direction. But I want to ask the question, why do we do this? Why do we pursue excellence? Why do we seek to abound? Why do we want to give all to Jesus? It's very simple, because Jesus gave his all. He gave 
it all. The Son of God laid down his life for us for the exaltation of his Father, and we lay down our lives for him for the exaltation of our Savior and King. And so the question I want to leave us with this week and in weeks ahead is, what does excellence look like in your life? What does excellence look like in my life? This isn't something we're going to work out after one sermon on a Sunday and go, oh look, there's the answer. This is a commitment during this month to reprogram ourselves into a new year by God's grace to find excellence for his exaltation. Let's pray together. Our gracious God and heavenly Father, we thank you that our excellence is for your exaltation. We don't want the glory, Lord. We want you to have the glory because you sent your Son into the world to be Savior and for all to know that he is Lord. And so we sing and we pray, all to Jesus I surrender, all to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily live. I surrender all, I surrender all, all to thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. Amen.